Welcome to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. Okay, so yeah, this is a tongue-in-cheek title because let's face it, no one except crazy people like me who live in Wyoming actually have to deal with going from summer to winter in 24 hours. But that is indeed what happened to us recently. And so I thought it would be fun to walk you through on this episode what we did around our homestead in the garden and in the barn, etc., to prepare for, yes, really, a 65-plus degree drop that happened in the blink of an eye. I'm your host, Jill Winger, and this is the podcast for the Trailblazers, the mavericks, the makers, the homesteaders, the modern pioneers, and the backyard farmers. If you're ready to boost your food security and live a more homegrown lifestyle, this is the podcast for you. Hey friend, I'm interrupting this episode for just a quick minute because I have a really exciting announcement. For many, many years, I have relied heavily on planners to keep our full life in flow, but I have always struggled to find one that fits the uniqueness of a homestead lifestyle. The planners I've used in the past always kind of left me wanting more. They would contain weekly spreads that never quite fit our life, and they never took into account all the moving pieces of an old-fashioned lifestyle. You know, things like meal planning, gardening, preserving, or seasonal living. So, I decided to make my own. And I am so excited to introduce to you today the Old Fashioned On Purpose Planner. It's designed for homesteaders by homesteaders. It's the planner I have wished for for years, and it is loaded with helps, cheat sheets, templates, and guides to streamline your homegrown lifestyle, whether you live on 100 acres or you're just homesteading in your backyard. Head on over to prairieplanner.com and I'll show you a sneak peek of the inside. I also put together a bunch of bonuses to go with it, and guess what? Free shipping. That's www.prairieplanner.com. Now back to our episode. All right, so full disclosure, I actually have previously recorded this episode and put it in my podcast queue ready for it to go up and then realized that something had happened and only a portion of the episode made it onto the recording itself. So I had to re-record it. Um, And I'm telling you this because You've heard me reference our big snowstorm, our early snowstorm, a couple times on the podcast since, and it may be would have made more sense if this episode had come a little earlier in my podcast queue, because you could have gotten the whole story, but it's all good. And I still thought it would be beneficial to share just some of the preparations we made, some of the things we did. Um, And now that it's a little bit after the fact, it's been kind of cool to look back on what the weather has done since our super early snowstorm and some of the gardening activities I've actually been able to do. It's kind of opened me up. So I think there's some benefit. Maybe it was a good thing the episode got lost, but here we go. This is uh, take two on this particular episode. So to start off with a little bit of background on this topic, you guys probably already know that Wyoming is not an easy place to grow food, right? We've got a short growing season. Um, we have wind, we have hail, like we have hurricane force winds. Like it's it's a tough place to grow. Normally for us, we get our first light frost 
around the middle to end of September. And then our first snow is usually the middle to end of October. And I'm used to that, right? I've been here, how long have I been here? Close to 18 years, which is crazy. So this is nothing new to me to have very short growing seasons. Halloween here is usually extremely cold with a lot of snow. The kids are out trick-or-treating and freezing to death and they have blue lips. And that's completely normal. Um, so I'm definitely not a newbie to weird weather in Wyoming or short, short growing seasons, but this year 100% took the cake. This summer was actually unseasonably hot. We are in the middle of a drought. The grass is brown. The hay prices are through the roof. We have had very little rain. And now, oddly enough, like Wyoming is a very dry state, but it is normal for us throughout the summer to get a lot of thunderstorms. And there will sometimes even be several days in August or late July where we'll get a rain storm that will just kind of sock in and just dump on us. And it's beautiful. It is magnificent. And we all celebrate when that happens. And so that's kind of our cycle. Like it still gets browned usually, you know, towards the end of August, but we'll have some beautiful green grass and good hay crops throughout the rest of the summer because those thunderstorm rains just tide us over. And that is normal in all the years, except this year that did not happen this year. So we had our little baby spring grass come up and it looked beautiful for a few weeks. And then as it started to need water, it just didn't come. The rains didn't come. The storms didn't come. And we had this hot, oppressive heat all summer. And it, it just has felt like a long summer because of that, just because everything is dry and crispy. And I've just felt like I've spent so much time watering. So I absolutely was in the mood for fall. Just, I was kind of over the sweat and the grime and the flies and just the oppressive heat. So I was, I caught myself a few times before this crazy weather event happened thinking, you know, I'm not going to be sad when it's time for fall. I'm looking forward to the coziness and the, the fire in the fireplace and making soup and candles and dark evenings. Like I'm going to be okay. I actually, I'm a girl who loves seasons um, that's why I don't want to live in a place that is perpetually warm, just because I actually love the change. And so I was thinking, it's good. It's coming and I'm ready. Um, that being said, I feel like what happened to us was definitely extreme, even for Wyoming. So here's kind of the timeline of events so you can follow along. And those of you who follow me on Instagram, you might have remembered I kind of documented this in my stories on Instagram, just how this all played out, which was just nuts. Like everyone around us, like all our neighbors, we were just like, couldn't stop talking about it because it was just insanity. But anyway, so we're rolling along with our crazy heat and our dry weather. And the weatherman's, weatherman started to predict a big drop in temperature on, it was like a Wednesday or Thursday. And that's when these weather reports started rolling out. And he's like, Hey, get ready guys. We might have a frost. Um, and like at that point, I think it was the second week of September. Like I said, this is a little bit, this episode's a little weird because I had originally recorded it like the week it happened. And now that episode got messed up. So I'm kind of having to speak in past tense a little bit more. But anyway, um, Wednesday, Thursday, we started to get these reports. And I was like, oh, come on, guys. Like my garden's still doing good. There's still a lot to harvest. I'm not mentally ready for a frost. I was a little bit annoyed. But I thought, you know, it's not too crazy to have a frost 
the second week of September. It's happened before. It'll probably be really mild. I'll just take some old bed sheets outside and cover my vulnerable plants and it'll be fine. Okay. Um, so I had mentally started to prepare. I was thinking, you know, they're calling for it early the following week and I'll like use the weekend to get the sheets and the tarps and whatever and cover, um, Maybe I'll pull the peppers out, I thought, because my peppers were pretty much done. I had a really good pepper harvest this year. So I'm like, I can pull the rest of the peppers and call it good. Um, and I was like, I got this. It's all fine. Like, no complaints. Okay. <laughs> so as the week progressed, you know, we got into later on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, these weather warnings got a little more serious. And Mr. Weatherman, instead of just saying we're going to get a frost you know, the following week, he's like, um, guys, we're going to get up to eight inches of snow. And to be perfectly honest, at first I completely ignored him because I'm like, oh, come on, weather guy, you are trying to get clicks on your Facebook post. You are being alarmist and you are being dramatic. And like, it never snows eight inches the second week of September. Go get a life. I was like, absolutely not. Um, but my denial didn't really work because the, the warnings kept coming. And I saw that more and more weather outlets were reporting, oh my gosh, you guys, this is an unprecedented weather event. And you get you need to pay attention and you need to not be traveling. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, I feel like unprecedented is the word for 2020. Don't you think? I have found myself saying that word more than any other time. Way to go, 2020. But anyway, so... As these warnings kept coming and more and more weather people were echoing the same message, I started to finally pay attention. I couldn't be in denial anymore. And what they were saying is we were going to have a really hot weekend and then the temperatures were going to plummet on Monday night. And so I started kind of mentally preparing myself, like, what do I need to do in the garden? What do we need to do for the animals? We probably should take this serious because you know, there's a chance that it'll be a big flop and we'll barely freeze. But if they are correct and we do get really, really cold weather, weather temps, weather temps, that sounds weird. We really get cold temps. <laughs> Does that sound better? Um, they were calling as uh, cold as 17 degrees Fahrenheit. I'm like, that's going to be really hard on our animals and it's definitely going to kill the garden and I need to be ready. So I started making plans. Now, just like they predicted that weekend, Saturday and Sunday were blazing hot. Christian and I were working on the greenhouse that weekend. It was 95 plus degrees. Now, okay, I know if you live in the South, you're like, girl, that's nothing. But for us in Wyoming, us Northerners, that's hot. It's not as hot as we get, but it's definitely up there. And we have this dry heat. We don't have humidity, thankfully, but you know, it's dry heat. And so we're out there working on the greenhouse no shade. It's blazing hot. We're sweating. We're putting up these panels of the polycarbonate, the plastic coating on the greenhouse, you know? And of course they reflect the light and like, this feels obvious, but it's hot inside the greenhouse, even when it's half finished. And so we were just sweating buckets and I was wearing shorts and I was getting a sunburn. It was full on summer, everything. Okay. Now, Monday, morning, we woke up and I could start to feel a little bit of a shift. And we always know a weather shift is coming because the wind blows, right? The wind blows violently here. And so we had a good breeze going Monday morning. Um, and I knew that Monday was going to be my day to prepare. And so it was still hot though. I put on, um, my, put my shorts back on. I was outside. We were running around like crazy people. My, it was all hands on deck. The kids, Christian and I were all doing all this weather prep and we were still sweating. Um, 
By Monday evening, however, the temperatures went down into the 40s. So they were, I'd say, 80s Monday morning. They were down in the 40s Monday evening. So I traded in my shorts for jeans and coats, and my kids were wearing their winter hats to do chores, my poor children. Um, and it was quite drastic. Actually, the last time we had a weather change that drastic was in 1929. So yay for us. We broke some records or tied some records, or I don't know, but uh, it was kind of crazy. And as Monday night progressed, the temperatures continued to drop. I believe the coldest I saw it get was about 26 degrees. Um, and it's the, the weird thing was, is I kind of thought it would dip down and then come right back, but it stayed cold for well over 24 hours. And we did indeed get snow. We actually got a lot of snow. Again, my skepticism, I was like, we're just going to get a skiff and it will melt as it hits the ground because the ground is so warm. Uh, that was actually not the case. A lot of it melted, but we got so much snow, it did indeed accumulate. Um, and the grass was completely covered. And I had friends posting pictures on Facebook of their children making snowmen outside. And it was kind of crazy. So it felt full on winter. It was cold. It was dreary. It was gray. Uh, we had a fire in the fireplace. I made soup and it was just weird to go from it just, it was just super weird to go from summer to winter that quickly. Like there was no transition. Um, so anyway, that is the act of the story, but I wanted to give you in this episode, a few of the things we did, because while many of you well, hopefully you'll never have to go through this experience of summer to winter in 24 hours like we did, and maybe we'll have to do in the future. I thought it might be interesting just for you to hear some of the things we did. It was basically fall preparations, fast forward, like 10 speed, right? Like we went through all the normal things we do to prep our home for winter time. And it was all done in a 12 hour period. So it was a little crazy, but um, this might help you maybe as you are preparing your homestead for the change in seasons, or maybe you plan on moving to somewhere crazy like Wyoming someday. And uh, just give you an idea. Anyway, here we go. Here's my list. Here's what we did. The garden. That was my number one priority. Well, I mean, well, I shouldn't say number one. The animals were still number one, but the garden was a big concern because obviously I had been working on the garden since early spring and I had a lot of food out there, a lot of food. One of the good things that normally happens with a garden is that the crops are ready at different times. And so you can kind of pull them in in stages. So harvest doesn't have to be quite so overwhelming. Unfortunately, I didn't get to have that experience because I needed to get almost everything out at once. So my first priority was the tomatoes and the peppers because my tomatoes were mostly green. And I just published a tomato episode a couple weeks ago that talked about the myths surrounding green tomatoes and how you actually, even if you have green tomatoes like I do, not all is lost, um, but you got to get them off the plant before the plant freezes. Because once those tomatoes freeze, whether they're green or they're red, when they thaw out, they're, they're not good anymore. So we went out there with our cardboard boxes and started stripping the tomato plants. Like if I don't care what size it was, if it was a green tomato, it was coming off. Um, that definitely took the most time just because I kind of have that tomato jungle effect going on. I didn't trellis my tomatoes very well. So I had to really, um, dig and pull plants up and lift pieces of plants and make sure I got all the tomatoes off. Um, that was number one. 
Number two, we pulled off all of the peppers. I had poblanos and sweet peppers. Those all came off because pepper plants, they actually loved the heat this year, loved it, but they do not have any tolerance whatsoever for cold. So I didn't even want to risk, you know, like I said, if if I thought this was a light frost, I probably would have covered the tomato plants with a sheet, but I just was scared of how cold it might get. And I thought, you know, I'm, this is a gamble. If I cover them and leave it, um, there's a chance it'll get so cold that the sheet won't do its thing and I'll lose all of the tomatoes, all of the green ones. And so I chose to not take that risk and just to pull everything in. Now, I did have a friend who gardens, I don't know, 15, 20 miles away from where we live. So we're still in the same zone and everything. She decided that she would cover her tomato plants with sheets. And I think she did a couple layers of blankets and sheets, but they survived. So that was kind of cool to see her experience and know that, you know, maybe in the future, if I want to experiment with that, they could potentially be covered and live. Um, But again, I didn't know how cold it would get. They were calling for 17 degrees It didn't actually get down that cold, but I didn't know. So that's one of those things. If you have tomatoes, it's, it's a little bit of a gamble. You're just always like watching the weather, trying to make that call and you don't have a crystal ball. So you can't know for sure. But that was what I did. I pulled all the tomatoes, all the peppers, had a few green beans left. Those plants don't do well in cold. So I pulled all the green beans off, um, and brought them in the house. I also, I went back and forth and back and forth on this. I also chose to pull my spaghetti squash because that was the only squash that did anything for me this year. My onions and my cabbage out. Now these, again, I went back and forth. Often squash or pumpkins, a frost will kill the vines and they won't grow, but that you can leave the, the fruit on the vine and it will continue to kind of ripen a little bit or cure. So I'm like, uh, but I, I didn't want to I just didn't want to leave it out there. My spaghetti squash was basically done. So I pulled those off the plant. My onions, I think I probably could have left them and mulched them, but I had quite a few. I was happy with the growth I got from my onions. And a lot of my onions had, you know, the top third of the onion itself was sticking up above the soil. And I was concerned that it would freeze that part of the onion that was sticking up. And I was just ready to have them out. So I pulled all those guys out. And the cabbage as well. Hindsight, I think I could have left the cabbage in the garden. I don't think it would have been damaged. It was, it's mature. Mature cabbage is usually pretty tough. But again, I just was a little nervous. So I pulled it out. I put the squash down in our basement where it's a little cooler. I put the onions and the cabbage in our shop. And it's an unheated shop, but I knew it wouldn't freeze because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that cold for that long of time to cause the interior of the shop to freeze. So I literally rolled the wheelbarrow of onions in the shop and my buckets of cabbage into the shop and left it because I was so busy trying to deal with everything else. There were a few things I did leave in the garden. Um, the beets, the carrots, the parsnips were all fine. I've been um, harvesting them since. They had no damage. And actually things like carrots and parsnips get sweeter after a frost. So you can leave them in there for a while. So they were fine and that was nice. I didn't have to rush and pull those guys out. Also the hardy greens, the, the winter greens, like the chard and the kale. I think I had some collards in there. Those were all perfectly fine. I think I had a few chard leaves. 
that might have gotten a little damaged, but the majority of my charred plants were fine. And I was able to continue to eat and harvest on those well after the snowstorm. So that's kind of one of the reasons I love those tough greens. You won't find lettuce to be the same way. Lettuce is a lot finny, more finicky. Um, it doesn't like the cold, super cold, but man, those hardy greens are fantastic for that. Now I did lose a couple things and I knew I was going to lose them. It was kind of just the, the uh, casualty of this freak snowstorm. My corn, I had a really pretty corn patch this year. Last year, my corn didn't do hot, but this year it was tall and I had ears developing, but they were not mature. Like you would peel back the husks and I could see a couple little kernels and the rest were still growing. And I just couldn't think of a way to cover the corn and I don't think it would have worked anyway. So the corn um, just was a loss and I'm going to feed the stocks to the cows. So I guess it's not a full loss. The cows and the pigs will enjoy it, but we definitely did not get to eat the sweet corn, which is a major bummer, but it is what it is. Also, my pumpkin plants and my butternut squash plants, um, they did not they just were weird this year. And I talked to a couple other friends locally and they said the same thing. They just didn't excel and they got a really late start. I had trouble getting them to germinate. So I had plants and I had little baby pumpkins, like, I mean, the size of a golf ball or a tennis ball. And I had a couple little baby butternuts, but they were nowhere near mature. And I like covering them, I don't think would have worked. And I didn't even try. Cause I'm like, you guys, I don't have enough time <laughs> to give you, to get you to where you need to be. So the, the pumpkins and the butternut were a absolute casualty of the snowstorm. I lost some flowers. However, I did discover that my yarrow and my calendula flowers actually just kept on trucking. They were not affected by the snow whatsoever. So that was kind of cool. And I also, I have a lot of pots on my deck, my porches. I chose a couple pots to pull inside to keep in the mudroom, but there was a couple other pots that the flowers were kind of done anyway. So I just left them. So I tried to save what I could because I'm like, I know it's going to get warm again and I don't want to have everything be brown and dead. I need a little color. Um, I kind of just mixed and matched that a little bit. All right. So that was the garden. That was definitely the biggest chunk of our list that day. Oh, we also pulled down our hail covering. You've heard me talk on a previous episode about the hail net we built over our garden kind of looks like a big circus tent. We went ahead and pulled that down just because it, we're definitely out of hail season. Although, you know what? Now that I say that, who knows? 2020, I don't know. Maybe we'll have hail in November. I, don't, I have no idea. But regardless, um, I knew the garden would be mostly dead and hail season is mostly over. And heck, we haven't got thunderstorms this year anyway. So we pulled down the hail net. Uh, we saved all the netting and all of the hooks. So we'll reuse it next year. It's going to be kind of a beast to put back up, but uh, we're able to repurpose all the materials. And what else? Oh, we made sure the hoses were unhooked and drained because there's nothing worse than a frozen hose in the middle of a snowstorm. I think that was the majority for the plants. Okay, so for the chickens, that was our next focus because we have our chicken tractor and it's been out kind of behind our house in our tree row area all summer. Now, chickens can handle cold temperatures, but these chickens, you know, they're in this chicken tractor with chicken wire sides. So they're going to have no protection from wind. And I kind of just was thinking it's a big drop for them. That's a big change in temp. And the thing with animals is they can handle the cold, but it's really hard on their bodies 
when things change so quickly, right? When it goes from so warm to so hot, or what did I say? So warm to so cold. How about that? That makes more sense. Um, in such a short period of time. So we made the choice to bring in our chicken tractor chickens and put them in the chicken coop. That was a definite ordeal. It took us a little bit of time and a couple got out and the dogs chased them and it was like a whole thing, but we got them in and we put them in the chicken coop. There was a little bit of rooster drama because that flock hadn't been in with the other flock in a while. So they had to sort that out, but everybody was fine. They're all getting along now. We made sure our chicken waters were filled, our chicken food was filled. That's kind of our typical routine anytime we have a big storm, just to make it easier on us when we're in the middle of the storm. Uh, we also put our smaller, kind of our more vulnerable animals in our barn. We have two pins in our barn. So we put our bottle calves and our Mesa's dairy goats inside one of the pins that the calves and the goats get along. Now, can goats and cows survive a snowstorm? Absolutely. But with these guys, partially it was just because Mesa wanted her goats and her calves in the barn. But also, again, that's it's hard on them to have such a massive change in temp. So they got in the, a little pen where it's all cozy and warm with hay. We also took our pigs. We have six pigs that have been living in a pen outside. We brought them inside the barn as well. Same thing, just to protect them from the extreme temperature shift. They have a little bit of a lean-to shelter outside, but honestly, the, the pigs are more of a summer animal for us, so we don't have a great winter shelter ex in the, on the exterior for them, so we just wanted them to be in the pen. They only stayed in the pen for a day, and then they went back out. As far as our big animals, you've likely heard me talk before how horses and cattle, they are really, really good outside, right? People get really angry at me when they see pictures of our horses standing in the snow, or our beef cattle herd standing in the snow. And I'm like, guys, um, it is physically impossible to build shelter for every cow in America. Like it just is never going to happen. And honestly, the cows don't really want it. Cattle and horses need windbreak um, and shade on it when it's really, really hot. Other than that, as long as they have fresh water and lots of hay to eat, they're fine. They're they're fine. So we filled up our feeders like we always do before a storm. Again, this was not going to be the blizzard of the century by any means, but that temperature drop, right? So we filled up the, the feeders. Um, we made sure our water tank heaters were all functional and working. Uh, we had we put in some automatic water tanks this summer. So Christian had to go out there and fix those to make sure that the heaters were in working order. So that was kind of part of our our deal. Then we made sure our, what did I say hoses? Our hoses were drained. Our kind of tools were put inside. I just feel better when we get snowstorms and bad weather just to have things kind of tidied up on the outside. And that wasn't the first priority because the animals in the garden were number one, but then that was kind of the after the fact. So that Monday was very busy, um, but everybody survived. The animals did just fine. We have the chickens are back out in the chicken tractor again. And I think that's kind of one of the nice things about recording this episode a little bit down the road after this weather event happened is just to kind of see how everything played out on the other side. It is totally hot again, not quite in the 90s, but it's been in the 80s. The nights are cool, but like the kids have been wearing shorts again. It's just crazy. We went from like snow suits back to shorts um, a week later, just nuts. And I am glad I pulled what I did out of the garden, but honestly, I'm a little bit 
thankful after I threw my tantrum, I totally threw a temper tantrum, but after that got over, <laughs> I've been thankful for this, I guess this weird weather curveball because it's given me more energy to explore some new things out in the garden. So I actually planted uh, on the beds, like I, on the bean beds and my squash beds that were completely decimated by the cold. I pulled out the dead plants and I decided to plant winter rye as a cover crop in those beds. And it's coming up. It's actually still been warm enough um, to get the seeds to germinate. So that was that's been a benefit that I don't know if I would have done had we not had the freak snowstorm because I probably would have left those plants and tried to coax them along. And I doubt it would have worked, but it would have kind of eliminated that extra time to get the cover crop. So blessing in disguise. Um, I'm also still out in the garden, kind of cleaning things up, adding mulch and compost to certain beds that feel like they need a little TLC. I'm going to be planting garlic once it arrives in the mail. I'm a little late on that, but I think we'll still be okay. Um, the greenhouse is finished. So I planted my greens and some seeds out there. So I guess it's, it's all worked out, even though I was really, really frustrated initially at just this roller coaster of weather. I think that this whole snowstorm thing was a good reminder that we can't always control things, especially on the homestead, no matter how hard we try. And it again reminds me that, you know, I'm thankful that there are grocery stores, that we have a way to fall back if things don't work out. You know, our homesteading ancestors generally didn't have that always as an option. So, um, yeah, I think all in all, it turned out okay. I'm choosing to see that silver lining. I'm choosing to take this extra little bit of garden energy I had and apply it into getting my garden ready for next year with the cover crops and the mulch and trying some new greens and some new winter crops. So I think I'm thankful for this crazy Wyoming snowstorm in September, although I'll be just fine if it doesn't happen next year. Oh, hey, one of the questions I get all the time when I'm talking about my garden is how did you build your raised beds? Because we have this kind of crazy setup of raised beds we built out of metal and wood. So if you'd like to know more about our raised bed setup, you can grab a little e-guide I put together for free over at theprairiehomestead.com slash raised bed guide. And that is all for today, friend. If you would like to see a more visual representation of the things I talk about here on the podcast or, you know, follow along when we have crazy weather drama, because there's sure to be more of that. Be sure to follow me over on Instagram. My handle is at the Prairie Homestead. And I post over there, not a ton, but enough that you can kind of see the things behind the podcast and get more of a visual of what our crazy prairie life looks like. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being here. I know there's a lot of podcasts you can listen to, and I'm so glad you're listening to this one. We'll talk again on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.